Good evening. A couple of months before I was ordained a priest, um, I happened to be in, uh, at the store. Uh, and as happens a lot of times when you go to the store in a small town, um, I'm going up and down the aisles, and no doubt I run into somebody that I know. Well, this day, the person that I ran into happened to be one of my elementary school teachers. And we started to catch up. We were chatting, and oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a couple of months away from ordination and all this stuff. And then this lady, with a straight face, with a straight face, looked at me and lied through her teeth. Because she said the words, I always knew you'd be a priest. And I looked at her and I said, you're full of it. Because I could remember explicitly sitting in her class uh, and my name being written on the board every single day. Now, if you don't know, like when I was growing up, I, I, the, the punishment, if you did something wrong, was you got your name on the board, and then if you did something wrong again, you got a check by it, and if you did something wrong again, strike three, you're out, you got another check, and then you had to write what was called a detention paper. So, it's essentially the same as writing lines, and I still remember, even though I'm 33 years old, looking back and seeing on the paper, who am I, and the first sentence being, I am a very special person, but I made a mistake, Right? I had it down to the point that I, like, whenever, when I had free time in class, I would basically just kind of make a little stockpile of these papers because I knew I was going to be writing more and more and more. I wasn't a bad kid, but the problem was is I was loud, so when I would respond, good thing that changed, I know, but when I would respond to things, I would always get caught, and I was constantly getting my name on the board. Other people were bad. I was good, but I just got caught. Believe that. Anyway. So I remember there was this thing, though, in her class, in this lady's class. Now, she just lied to me, but I, like, it made me start thinking about all kinds of things. What she used to do was she would do a weekly progress report, like a conduct report card, essentially. And every day you would get sent, at the end of the week, you would get sent home, and it kind of kept track of if your name on the board and what checks and everything else you had. Well, over the course of a week, I remember in particular one week, I was telling my mom that I had been good at school all week, which was a lie, right? I had my name on the board every day, was constantly there, on the verge of getting detention, but never did. Okay. So I remember, the, the jig was up, Friday, I go home, I have my progress report card that I have to get signed by my mom. So what I did, I did like every good kid does, I waited till Monday morning, Right? Got to have my weekend, didn't have to worry about getting yelled at, didn't get punished, nothing like that. Go through the whole weekend, enjoying myself. Wake up Monday morning, I go to school, and when it's time to hand in the, the, the paper, I looked and I realized I forgot to get her to sign it. This isn't good. Now, I was backed into a corner. I was kind of worried. So what I did was in perfect print, I wrote my dad's name in, on the signature line. J, perfect letters, O, D, Y. And in perfect print, I committed my first felony. It was great. So just like any, I, I was proud of it. I was like, this looks great. I went handed in because I didn't understand the concept of a signature, right? I went handed in. And by the time I got back to my desk, I hear the teacher say, John David, come here. So I walk over, she shows me the paper and she says, did your dad sign this? Yeah. She looked at me, she said, are you lying? Yeah. 
Name on the board, two checks, didn't even have to go through to the rest of the day, right? The worst part was is that this offense required a phone call home. So by the time I got home, my mom and my dad were waiting for me. And my mom and my dad, both, they were angry, not just because I had had my name on the board, not only that I had lied about how I had been throughout the day, but also that I went so far as to try and bail myself out by forging my dad's signature. Now, when you hear this story, you could think, um, I always knew he would be a priest, which would be a lie, right? You could think, um, man, that's really not good to, to write your dad's name like that. It's really not good that you would have a report card that would say bad things that you should have done better from the, from the beginning. You shouldn't have lied to the teacher, and I feel bad for you for having get a spanking that it was hard to sit down the rest of the night. You could say any of those things. The one thing that you cannot say is that I wasn't trying to be somewhat creative in fixing the problem. There was a certain amount of ingenuity that I showed as a little kid, backed into a corner, just trying to figure out a way out of my bond. Now you could be sitting there thinking, okay, great job, but I really do think that this is similar to what Jesus is trying to tease out today in our gospel. That there are, there, there's, a, there's a lesson to be learned, but we can't take the bad on the surface and claim that as the lesson. But instead, Jesus pushes a little bit deeper and in turn teaches us something about how we're called to focus and commit to the spiritual life. Let me explain. In today's Gospel, right, we have a rich man. And this rich man has a steward basically a financial advisor. He's handling all of his finances, all of his accounts, all of his debts, all of his debtors. He's, he's handling all of the money that this rich man deals with. And this rich man calls the, this, his financial advisor in and basically says, you're not doing a good enough job. I need you to collect all the information on my accounts because you're fired. And when that happens, the steward, the advisor, the steward is the one who sits back and as he's collecting the accounts, realizes I'm backed into a corner. I'm in trouble. I'm too proud to be a beggar and I'm too weak to dig. He doesn't want to go into manual labor and he doesn't want to be thrown out on the street and stuck as a beggar. So what he does, he says, ha, I'm going to get a little bit creative Two of these debtors to his master come to him. He calls them, he gets them to come, and one of them says, I owe a hundred measures of olive oil. The other says, I owe a hundred cores of wheat. It's a measurement of wheat. And he looks at them and he says, I'm going to do you a favor so that when I lose my job, which is coming, you will do me a favor. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to forge your promissory notes so that it looks like you owe less to my master. A hundred measures of olive oil, you now owe 50. But remember who did this for you. A hundred measures of, a hundred cores of, of wheat, you now owe 80. But again, remember who did this for you. 
Now most parables, whenever we hear some kind of exchange, something happen like this, there's a twist in the parable. And that usually tells us a lot of what Jesus is trying to teach us through the words of the parable. We read, And the Master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. The steward just ripped off his master. The steward just cut and stole from his master, essentially, for his own reputation, for his own gain. And we hear that Jesus says, the master commends the steward for acting prudently. That would be like my mom and dad ignoring all of the offenses that I did with the detention and everything else, and looking at me and saying, hey, but you did a good job trying to bail yourself out of that situation. It wouldn't quite make sense. So what is it that Jesus is getting to when He says that the Master commended the steward? Jesus, read, Jesus says, we read, For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. What, Jesus is look, what it sounds like Jesus is saying, and what I believe Jesus is saying, is that when it comes to earthly affairs we will get as creative as we possibly can to try and resolve the situation. We will do things oftentimes that are morally, morally might be questionable to try and manipulate a situation. We will do whatever we have to to climb the ladder, to gain the promotion, to get the grade, whatever it is, to try and gain a little bit of an edge, to be lifted up, to get worldly wealth, or worldly recognition. But the criticism is that we would do these things, questionable moral things, for worldly gain. But the criticism is often that our faith and our gain when it comes to the eternal is an afterthought. Uh -oh. As we, as we grow, as we come to this Mass, as we, as we really reflect on the words of today's Gospel, I know in my own life there are times that I can look back and I can say, oh, I, 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 that may not have been the best way or most prudent way or I didn't care about that person's feelings when I was trying to gain fill in the blank. But, when it comes to my faith, the, the low bar, the barely enough, is fine. Oftentimes we see this in our culture that we will beg, borrow, steal, deal, whatever we have to. It's a cutthroat world and we just try and grow or, or rise in whatever class and whatever recognition and whatever power and whatever wealth. But when it comes to the eternal, we don't, we don't, we're not really willing to do much to gain heaven. I know oftentimes I've heard people say things like, uh, like answering the question, do you think you're going to heaven? They say, well, I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. It's a low bar. That's, a barely, that's, a, that's barely what it means to be Christian. If it's just to be a quote-unquote good person and to not kill anybody, then heaven's going to be very crowded. But living the Christian life to its fullest is something that we have to commit to. It's not a low bar. Are we willing to do the necessary things 
to gain eternal life? Or are we too distracted and stuck looking at this world and trying to gain wealth, recognition, power that dies with us? St. Augustine, in looking at this scripture, which is considered by many of the early church fathers as one of the most confusing parables of all the parables. St. Augustine says it this way. Why did the Lord set this before us, this parable, before us? It is not because the servant cheated, but because he exercised foresight for the future. When even a cheat is praised for ingenuity, Christians who make no such provision blush. We want to live a real, authentic, alive Christian life. Christianity. Are we willing to do the things to make that happen? Are are, are we willing to to say no to a drink if we know that one is going to lead to two is going to lead to seven? Are we willing to throw a, a, a smartphone in the bayou if it's going to be a, a moment of temptation to watching pornography and masturbation? Are we willing to keep, the, the, to keep and have conversations about boundaries between our significant other so that we don't both fall into the pit? Are we willing to make the sacrifice to go to class not because it's the right thing or not to try and make a grade, but just because someone else might be paying for our college to be good stewards. See, the, the idea of living the Christian life is a high bar. Doing the right thing, not because it's being seen or because it will earn us anything, but because it is the right thing, is a high bar. And oftentimes it requires some sacrifice on our part. A lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters will oftentimes talk about the, something called the prosperity gospel. Where I follow Jesus and everything else becomes easy. That, that's a contradiction. That doesn't make sense. Because Jesus himself went through Good Friday to get to Easter Sunday. You see, when we, come, when we gather to worship, we, it's not an accident we, that we gather in front of a crucifix that we gather in front of a God, in front of a Jesus who has been broken, who has experienced suffering, who has gone through a high bar of the faith. Because He reveals to us that there's no limit to how much He loves us, and there's no limit to where He may call us. But the Good Friday is not in vain because of the empty tomb on Easter Sunday. The struggles of this life are not, are not suffered in vain. The high bar of Christianity is not in vain because we have the promissory note of the resurrection. May today as we come to this Mass, as we're invited into deeper communion with God, that we don't settle for the low bar. That we don't settle for just the, the praise and glory and wealth of this world but instead that we find ourselves being creative and, in, and, and using our ingenuity to gain heaven at all costs. May we, 
not be settled on a comfortable Christianity. But instead, may we strive for a Christianity that looks like the cross with the glory of the resurrection behind it. Amen.